How's it going, everybody? My name is uh, Promota. We're following up here with uh, Max. He's German. I'm Indian. You're following up. What are you following up on? This is episode one, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's our seventh or eighth try at this, so we're following up on our own attempts of failure. Yeah, and it's all of your own fault if you don't know what we were talking about in the eight attempts before that. So, continuing. <laughs> Actually, no, we can put the other seven attempts of us being complete idiots on our only podcasts. Yeah, join us on our Discord, Venmo uh, links in the description. <laughs> so Max, what are we talking about today? Uh, what hot topics? Well, I think the first hot topic should be who we are, what we do. Like I said, you're German, I'm Indian. And why we do this. So, as you said, I'm German. You're also a test engineer. You work for some really cool company, you get to drive some cool cars. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, other times you look like uh, the Ferrari F1 director, uh, Binotto. Mattia Binotto. Yeah, Mattia Binotto. Uh, the glasses are absolutely perfect. He look, I, I, I don't know how a German is able to pull off an Italian look like that, but it's kind of annoying. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I choose to look good. You get a haircut every three days. <laughs> Two weeks? Uh, not really anymore. It's, I think it's been three weeks. I have to settle down a little bit. But yeah, and to my right, there's Promo. Uh, as he said, he's Indian. How do they know that I'm to your right? Because I just told him. Well, from, you, from your viewer perspective, he's on the left. Yeah, see? And Promo is a professional driving instructor, traveling all over the country to teach people the joy of not dying on a racetrack, I suppose. I guess that's one way to say it. And yeah, we've been racing. We've met each other. When did we meet each other? Three years uh, ago? Four years ago? Four. Four years ago, we yeah. met uh, on accident at a go-kart track. You know what's really funny? I met a buddy of mine, Jason, the same exact way that we met. Yeah, then why don't, why don't you tell them how we met? Oh, uh, so Max is a very slow driver, but he's also a very... Uh, impressively slow driver in the way that he'll hold you up and make absolutely certain that you cannot get around him. So like, I, I think I spent like two or three laps trying to get around you cleanly. Yeah, those, we need to, I think we need to like start a little bit earlier. So I went to a, a local go-kart track with a friend of mine without having any experience there. It's just, just the first time. Two friends. It's the first time going there. Quotes. And yeah, it just was like never been there, just driving laps. And all of a sudden, a guy pulls up behind me with a blue tin advisor. Gotta love my steel, man. And at that point, I was like determined to not let this man, who was clearly faster than me, to not let him through. That was back in the day. You have gotten faster to the point where you're actually faster than me. That's really annoying. Sometimes. It's but really annoying. Yeah, so after the session, after like a couple laps of me blocking promo. It's really annoying, I had to say it three times. Uh, he finally got around me. We then, like the f session was over, all got out of the cards. And after that, I think I we just walked back to our respective areas and all of a sudden no, angry looking. you were waiting for your timesheets. Oh yeah. And I threw my helmet down. Not really threw it down, but I, I placed my helmet down, and then I'm walking up to you, trying to figure out, like... An angry little Indian man. I, I'm just filled with rage, I don't know what to say. But, like, 
I think I was trying to figure out who the driver was, and then you're just kind of like looking around, like, just, I hope he doesn't recognize me. <laughs> yeah, I was a little terrified, obviously, you had a home court advantage. I mean, I've only been there, like, for 500 or 600 sessions. <laughs> so, yeah. And then we started talking. I was telling them about a BMW I built at that time. No, actually, the, the first conversation was, dude, that was really good driving out there. Like, I could not get past you. Yeah, and then we just, like, talked a little bit about, like, our racing. Promo told me about his racing. And, then, and that's how we ruined each other's lives. Yeah, and then we, we, just, we just decided to uh, continue the path together. So then we raced uh, GLTC for a season. Co-driving my old BMW. More or less successful, but the field the fields were much less competitive and much much smaller back then. I mean, it was we, still competitive. You still had Lichty and Katil competing with each other. We just didn't have the same level of competition. Yeah, we were competing against something, but it we was literally a, competing against ourselves because we had to start at the back of the pack. You see, we were all switching then, drivers. Yeah. Yeah, because like back then, every single time you had to switch a driver. Uh, you had to start from the back. Exactly, and they don't really care about us all that much, so that as soon as somebody who actually was fast yeah. and wanted to switch cars, they got to hold their positions. Yeah. But back in the day, we were just fighting against each other the entire time. So like we would start like 30th, and we would work ourselves up to like 16th or 14th. Yeah, that, was, that was fun. 30th. It was super fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, for everyone that does not know what GLTC is, because I think the first word is G, so that stands for grid life, right? Yeah, hashtag grid life. Well, actually, it's grid and then life, so G and L. So I got the first two right. Yeah, and then we have the T and the C left. Uh, T stands for touring. I thought it stood for Tom. Tom, no. Tom, Tom stands for himself. Tom O'Gorman, he's currently at uh, the 25 Hours of Thunderhill. Yeah, and he also moved to Wisconsin. He did. I'm not sure if I should say that, but I'm sure that we're going to have three listeners, so it really doesn't matter. I mean, Wisconsin is big, and there's a lot of cheese. There is a lot of cheese. Hey, Tom, can I get some spotted cow, please? <laughs> but, yeah, T stands for Touring Cup, and uh, Touring and C stands for Cup. So we have the Grid Life Touring Cup, which is a uh, power-to-weight-based wheel-to-wheel racing series within the Grid Life metaverse. Please don't say that. <laughs> So yeah, and, and before and you have like a three hundred million dollar Erica Teal EG NFT. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, but yeah. So it's a it's a cool little wheel to wheel based competition, I would say. Yeah, Racing I mean it's grown quite a bit. I think our largest field was like sixty or sixty two cars? cars. I think yeah. sixty two cars. Yeah. So imagine sixty two shit boxes trying to like. Well, some of those shit boxes are pretty fucking expensive. I mean, they're all expensive. Like, yours Just, being, like, one of the cheapest being almost $20,000. That's more at this point. Yeah, exactly. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> For our own self-interest. Yeah, I don't want to know. But, swipe the card, man. So, the yeah, Promo and I did that for, for a while. And kind of started to... I don't know what we did. I sold my old BMW and started building a new one because yep. I did not necessarily like my old car. Yeah, you went through two engines on the new car, technically. Well, yeah. Not, you, now, I'm on, now I'm on the third one that's in the car. Yeah, but I, I went have through a, two wiring harnesses. Yeah, so Promo <laughs> bought a car 
for a wheel-to-wheel -wheel competition. He bought an S2000 after the 2019 season. And it was and the biggest shipbox in all mankind. So he bought an S2000 and I started building another BMW. And we both failed. High five. And we both failed. But my car at least made it to the racetrack. It was parked and it did uh, one lap. It did one lap for Colton's engagement. Hey, you know what? I did track it three times. I never raced it. Yeah. And each time that I tracked it, it got significantly better. It wanted to That's kill true. me less every single time. That's true. I'll take that as a win. So the 2020 season was a little bit of a rough one. Um, actually, no, the 2020 season was nice for me because I finished my car. I finished my car and I raced it at Midwest Fest 2020 and then blew the engine the first time. That was Midwest Fest 2020. That was the one in fall. Dude, I'm just... And then you bought the car and you bought your car in mid 2020. Yeah, well, I fixed the car mid 2020. I think I purchased the car December 2019. Yeah, and then like 2020, I just, uh, I was focused on building no, the no, car. No, it was 2020. Yeah, because we ran your car. In 2019. We ran my old car in 2019. feels like the last five months of my life. Yeah, with, with COVID, it's been, it's been, it's, yeah, everything's just kind of dull. All the memories. Life's just been a haze at this point. Yeah. Like, we've just been traveling so much because I've been to, what, 57 trips so far this year? Yeah, it's crazy. And I left my house, I think, four times. <laughs> I went to the grocery store once. You don't work from home anymore. You've left the house. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. That was last year. Come on, get it right. Yeah. Wait. No, so, so back to the cars. So you were fixing your car in 2020. I was building my car in 2020. I raced my car at Midwest Fest in late 2020. I blew the engine in race four very spectacularly. And then over the winter, that's when I started making mistakes. That's when I attempted a engine swap. That was not very much recommended. It wasn't probably the smartest swap no. in the world. Um, Especially not the way that you did it. A, a lot of people told me to not do it, and if I had do me. it, do it differently. But Can't obviously, obviously, I knew better, and always know better. So, like most of the twenty twenty one season, even I was trying to fix the car, have uh, a sh multiple shops look at it. No one could really undo the horrible things I've done to this to this engine. Um, but I luckily had the support of a really nice shop in Chicago that yeah, attempted to help. Freaks. Yeah, Speed Freaks. Speed Freaks in Chicago. They tried to help me get the car running um, more or less successful. They got it running better than I ever did. But with their support, they always brought me a spare car to race. So they were building their fleet of, of BMW race cars. And I got to I got to test them on track then because my car was on the sidelines not working. So the 2021 season was even though my own car was disabled for the most part, it was a it was a good season. I also did my U.S. based endurance racing de debut. Mm -hmm. uh, it started in a TCA Honda by John Newcomb Racing and. The World Racing League. Uh, the first race weekend was Mid Ohio, with 
with Tom, who was uh, one of the co-drivers, Drew and the team owner, which uh, unfortunately was cut short with a transmission failure. But we then followed it up pretty quickly with... With another transmission failure. Yeah, and then with another one. <laughs> but we went to Road America. There we had no, no transmission failure. We had a, a fuel pump failure. Oh, this is a good story. Are you allowed to say this? What? How you fixed it? No, I, I don't. It's a fun story. I think, I think no, it doesn't matter. So that's one of those things that you text Max. <laughs> so it's a, it was a 2020 Honda Civic TCA, so factory built race car. And the fuel pump died from bad fuel. There was like the dirt and stuff in the fuel. So shout out to the gas stations in Wisconsin. And <laughs> I, th I think it's a lot more than just the gas station. It's, there are some factors in there. I'm just going to go ahead and leave it there. But yeah, so the fuel pump was, was plugged and we were not able to, to clean it out. So we did some phone calls and found a rental car, a 2020 Honda Civic SI rental car. And quick, let's talk about it. And quickly, quickly loaned the fuel pump out of that vehicle to our TCA race car, with, with which we then finished the race one on a Saturday and did the entirety of race two until a brake failure and fortunately took the car out. Shout out to Avis at a price or budget or whoever it be. I, d I actually don't remember. Perfect. So we can't, we can't get sued and my name was not involved in any of that so that's also good. But yeah so that was that was a cool weekend and I finished it off in the World Racing League at Road Atlanta, one of my all-time favorite tracks. Atlanta was was pretty cool. I was I had some super cool co-drivers. I had Nathan Bird from Bird Racing, mm -hmm. and Carson Ware from Rick Ware Racing. So both very big names in the motorsports industry. Carson Ware is the younger brother of Cody Ware, who races IndyCar and NASCAR. Carson did a couple of NASCAR guest starts, and is looking for a full-time engagement next year in the Xfinity Cup. And Nathan is running everything. He's winning uh, currently the American F2000 series, F4. He's looking into LMP. So he's he's doing all the things. Has great support from his dad and his dad's team. And that it's it was really impressive to be uh, alongside those two very, very talented young drivers. Not to sidetrack you for a second, but this is a topic that I really want to talk about at some point, which I'm probably going to forget unless I say it right now. Um, have you noticed how all of the fast open wheeled guys are starting to move from going to staying within formula to going to sports car earlier on? Yeah, uh, I actually read an, read an article about that uh, the other day uh, in Germany. There was one of the biggest F2, F3, F4 teams just canceled their entire engagement in, in uh, formula and is pursuing GT4 like serious yeah. all, all over the world instead because they say the the chance to get up into like f1 and and indycar is so little that most of the like open wheel junior talents are ending up in touring cars anyway so might as well start them where they're gonna end up in the in the end anyways yeah like you could spend how many millions or how many like hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and get into like formula two 
just for somebody like Mazepin to literally buy themselves into a seat. Outspend you, yeah. At that point, it's not about... I mean, Mazepin... I hate to, like, break it, or I hate to say that, but Mazepin did not suck. Like, his junior years were, like, not the greatest, but he also he wasn't a bad driver. He people off track to win. Yeah, but in order to run people off track to win, you must be, like, in the, com in the like, competition to win. So Plus, he, like, he, after qualifying, is all super, super weird. Yeah, I've never fully understood that. But so, like, you can still end up ahead of, like, the title winner. Yeah. But I think they chased that this year, didn't they? Or I, have, I have no idea. But, all right, also, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, more and more junior talents from Formula Sport are migrating towards touring cars. Because there's just way more. There's a lot more manufacturer engagement and all that. I think also like the chance to become a like pro driver, like a factory based driver is much, much bigger in touring cars than in formula or prototypes. Like in prototypes, there's like two or three LMP2 um, manufacturers. I don't know. There's going to be more because uh, the hypercar. LMDH, yeah. That just debuted. So it's going to be, you know, one that I'm super excited to see out there, like. The Glickenhaus? Because they did really well their last race. Yeah. And they're still a very new team. It's, it's impressive. they have like the A team of drivers. Yeah, Glickenhaus is impressive. What they, essentially from nothing, what they came up with. But. Yeah, they literally didn't even have a chassis four or five years ago. And now they have like a full blown race team with like the best drivers that yeah, one can afford. Driver lineup is, is wild. But all right, back to the side story. <laughs> Let's not get too sidetracked from the side story. That's exactly, we're both ADHD, this is going to happen. Yeah, we apologize in advance. We actually don't, this is what makes it entertaining, let's be honest. That is, that is correct. But yeah, so that is, that was, that was a cool experience at Road Atlanta to race with Nathan Bird and Carson Ware, both definitely going to have a, a nice and hopefully successful career in, in motorsports and professional racing. And... A couple of weeks later, I finished it off with my first ever race at VIR, which was which happened to be a 24-hour endurance race with a team called Ass Clown Racing. He's not making this up. You can Google it. Yeah, Team ACR on Facebook. And we did the 24-hour Lifeline 24-hour of Virginia International Raceway. Unfortunately, the race was red flagged for fog and weather sometime during the night but we still got a solid of 16 i think hours of runtime in in that story i have to once again go back to tom he's we should like have him as a guest because all we do is talk about tom he's racing right now <laughs> yeah maybe we can phone actually uh phone his team in calls <laughs> hey can you put us on with tom please on the on the radio yeah, exactly <laughs> no so uh practice was cut short because of rain and we had six drivers on the team, so the less experienced guys, it was all a, a group of friends, plus me. And the less experienced guys got some, got some time in the car and practice and qualifying. And the car owner, Ethan and I, set it, set it out. And it was determined that I raced to start because it just started pouring. And me having never raced at VIR, nor the car, it was an 89 Toyota Celica with a Lexus engine. Yeah, full-blown clap, clap trap. But 
that was that was fun. Um, it started pouring, and I called Tom, and I was like, Tom, I need I need your help. And Tom was racing at Mid Ohio in GLTC in that in that at that weekend. And he, I remember this. It was glorious. And he took the time. Um, I knew this. He took the time, and I was like, hey, like. I've never been on this track. Like I have zero idea where to turn left or right, and it's pouring, and I don't know how to drive the car. I think it's front wheel drive. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. And yeah, he just like guided me through through a lap, gave me some tips and pointers where to not place the car in the wet line, and was really helpful. And I survived the the first stint, the first two hours, without any issues. It was a great experience all all together, and I have to thank Isaac again for allowing me to, to share the car with, with this team and uh, super awesome experiences. And yeah, I think the last race of the season for me was Grid Life Midwest Fest. I think that was the last race for me. I was once again racing a, a borrowed M3 from Speed Freaks. So but you know what's really funny? This is the first year since 2012 that I haven't competed in wheel to wheel race. Wild. And this is the first year that I've driven more than like the last three years combined. Yeah. So I talked a lot promo. Now please guide us through what what have you been up to this year? I don't even know where to start. January. <laughs> Actually, I think we can go back to December. Okay. So I was at uh, Max's house one day. And I was extremely not uh, myself. Is we that, had is that we, a way to say that I was absolutely shit-faced? We had, we had a recreational beer or two. No, no, no. The, we're talking about like a three or four day long binge at that point, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one or two alcoholic beverages were consumed in the process of making that decision. But what decision, um, Promo? So the decision was I was extremely unhappy with my job. Just a corporate IT job, right? And, yeah, well, corporate IT job, yeah. Uh, I was extremely unhappy. I had written out this email expressing all my concerns in a very, very professional way, in my opinion. I mean, it was a little bit on the upper ends of pushing the limitation of professionalism, but it was still professional the entirety, the entirety of the email. And, uh, so you had a pre-written email? Yeah, and then we had one friend his name is Robert. Uh, yeah, he, Robert. He, he basically just says, do what you want. And those are, unfortunately, the four words that I need to hear. Them's fighting words. Exactly. It's just like, the, the minute that I heard that at Road America, Max understood how painful that can be. Yeah. Um, he said that for the email, and I basically just said, eh. Click. Exactly. Just going to go ahead and send it. So I sent the email out. And a day later, you... And a day later, I got pulled in. And I got asked, so what do you want to do? And my response back is, well, I know that I don't want to be here. <laughs> and about uh, a half hour after that, I was no longer there. Yeah. So then started my journey of self-employment, working for myself. So did a whole lot of uh, IT-related things for Nine Lives Racing, Johnny Skowski. Absolutely love that guy. That's so funny. Oh, he is. And then I started working for Extreme Experience in... April, and then from Extreme Experience, went over to BMW, did a few other things here and there. What and did you do at BMW? The same thing that I do for Extreme Experience. Hey, you make a left here, you make a right here. Oh, so you're just right seat instructing? 
Not so much right seat actually with BMW. It was um, we did it over radio. So it's, okay. It's kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, just performance driving education. Exactly. PDE. <laughs> PDE, thank you very much. Professional driving instructor. Oh. But like. Uh, I was more performance driving. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Do you actually think? Sometimes. It's rare, but you know. Okay, so you worked you worked for yourself. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the past uh, seven or eight months now, just traveling around multiple different places. I've been everywhere from Maine rescuing Bill Caswell to uh, Oregon to Florida. Unfortunately, I didn't go to California this year, and it's, it's kind of annoying. The farthest west that I went was uh, Nevada. No, you were in Seattle, right? Well, farthest, like, southwest, I should say. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, everywhere from Houston to middle of nowhere Colorado to middle of nowhere Ohio, multiple times in Ohio. Like, there, I've been in Ohio way too many times. Yeah, but we have good buddies in Columbus, so going, going to Columbus is we always a good time. We have five things that we like about Ohio, and those are the five people that we care about in Ohio. Yeah. Like, we have Ed, we have Rob, we have Eric. Colton. Colton. And... DJ. <laughs> no, of course, we, lo we love DJ. He lives in Cleveland, though, so, it, it, you know... He's, That's also still Ohio. It's three hours away. Yeah, but it's still Ohio. Doesn't count. Okay, DJ, I'm sorry, you don't count. He might as well be in Pennsylvania. <laughs> At this point, yeah. Yeah, so you've been, you've been to Ohio, you've been all over the, all over the country. Basically, yeah. That's, uh, that's been my life. Wow. Do you, do you enjoy it? Oh, absolutely. I love every single minute of it. Like, I would take this and the struggles of this over being in IT every single day of the week. Talk us a little bit about ex extreme experience. What is extreme experience? What do you do? So it is, when an extreme experience instructor says that this is probably the hardest job you'll ever have, uh, that is not a joke. You start off in the morning by waking up at anywhere between 5.30 to 6 a.m. Once you wake up, take a shower, you know, you get ready. We meet downstairs for breakfast. Wait, why do you shower? I'm brown. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, we get to the track by 7 a.m. every single morning. Okay. So that's, that's our first morning meeting. So from 7 a.m., we help set everything up, meaning to state that we stand all the tents up. After we stand all the tents up, we, uh, you know, get all the front of house related items sorted out. So like, um, with an extreme experience, you pay like a couple hundred bucks, you drive whatever exotic car that you chose to drive. Anything from like a Nissan GTR, which I don't really think is exotic, but uh, the price tag claims that it is, all the way up to yeah, like a- they've been getting expensive. I remember that it's the, like 195 thousand dollars. The first, the first gen was like sixty grand or yeah. something. Now it's like the base price is a hundred. Yeah, it's crazy. It's not worth it, in my opinion. Okay. But like, you can buy one used for forty thousand dollars. Now that's a steal. Well, at least it used to be, but I have absolutely no idea what used car prices are like. Today. I have no idea. But like, you can drive everything from like a Nissan GTR all the way up to like a Huracan. Oh and wow. The Huracans are super duper fun, and like, I sit in the right seat. I give you the 
the lowdown of how everything works. You go through class, you get the, the, the preparation that you need for as far as how to drive around a racetrack. And the instructor's job is to essentially make sure that you have an extreme experience, which is we're not so much looking for lap time. We're not looking for going the absolute fastest. We're just making sure that you're having fun while you drive one of these crazy cool cars around a racetrack. Yeah, so it's so it's an experience that I would like gift my dad exactly for Father's Day. Exactly. Like, hey, you can pull some laps in a yeah. So in like a Lambo. Our work day starts from 8 a.m., which is when we take the cars out for morning warm-ups. Mm -hmm. So we warm up the tires, we warm up the engine, and by the way, did you know that the, the Ferrari 48 GTB, it has a graph letting you know when each brake, rotor, tire, engine, and transmission comes up to temp. Aren't those the tires with the chip? It's not. Because we were on uh, Goodyear Eagle 3s. Oh, okay. But like, uh, it has some sensor. I'm assuming it's a temperature sensor, which is somewhere within the, the wheel well itself. Maybe some infrared temperature sensor? Yeah, because uh, it starts off gray, and then when it comes up to temp, it turns green. Okay. Huh. And, like, you can clearly tell when it's coming up to temp, just as you know in a race car. But, like, it actually has a graph that lets you know that, like, green, you're good to go. Wild. So, it, it's super fun warming these cars up. And, uh... Oh, so you, like, don't just turn them on in the, in the on grid? You actually, like... Yeah, some I mean, Some of the cars have carbon brakes. Carbon brakes, when they're cold, are not fun brakes. They're actually they're no terrifying. Brakes. Exactly. It's like the first time you get on the brakes after a carbon car has been sitting for you know. A couple hours overnight. It's legitimately terrifying because there are no brakes, so you have to warm them up correctly. Mm -hmm. And then once they're hot, it's cool. Let's start loading customers in place. Yeah, they buy. There's no fading. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're amazing brakes. That's, that's pretty cool. Plus, uh, yeah, I mean, we run it all the way until lunch. Uh, from lunch until about 4 to 5 p.m. From 5 p.m., we assist with teardown. Get back to the hotel room around like 6 to 7 p.m., go out to dinner, and that's when the fun starts. Longhorn is always amazing. Uh, Longhorn heists are amazing. And. Then we just do it again the next day, and the next day after that. Some days you have four-day events. That's so you're cool. quite literally working for like 14, 15 hours a day for like multiple days. So you've been to a lot of racetracks now in the, around the country. So many. Which one would you say has, at least in the extreme experience experience for you, which one has been your favorite to, to instruct at? With instruct extreme, at NCCAR. So it's called uh, North Carolina... Uh, something research center, automotive research center. Okay. So NCCAR was one of the best tracks for being able to instruct at. It's completely flat. Mm -hmm. There is always a line of sight for the next set of cones. So like we we, we so no blind turns. Not so much blind corners as much as sweeping corners. Okay. So one of the things I've noticed is if you tell someone that it's like a freeway on. Mm -hmm. They always know how to drive a Furiana, right? So like they, they do it every it, day. Exactly. So like they give it uh, consistent throttle. They're doing things correctly, and it's very easy to start pushing the limitations of the vehicle through, you know, the corner, not the limitations of the vehicle, but like to drive at seven tenths. Yeah. But uh, tracks like A and P, 
which there are multiple blind corners at. Mm -hmm. You are rapid fire. You are always on edge. You're always paying attention. The break zones, they drop off into a blind uh, downhill 180 degree left. So those are some of the more difficult tracks to instruct that. However, one of the most beautiful tracks that I've been to must I have, I've be yet to go there. AMP? Yeah, I haven't been to AMP. You I've done Road Atlanta a couple that. times, but I've never been to AMP. So AMP was designed by Tilke. Okay. So he's a F1 designer. He designed his son designed the F1 track that uh, they're racing at this weekend, which is Jetta. Jetta, yeah. yeah. So like not the Volkswagen. Yeah. Uh, G E D D D D A H. Yeah. But like, um, so he designed Jetta, but his dad designed AMP. Oh, that's his cool. His dad also designed uh, Coda, mm -hmm. Bud International Raceway, and a couple other ones here. Do you there. like Coda? Not in a road car. I think in a Formula car it's more fun. I would agree. Like I've, I personally haven't haven't raced it, uh, but a bunch, bunch, bunch of times in a sim, yeah. I really do not like the Coda SS. What's that? Turn three to nine or something? Yeah, but it's super fun in an F1 car. Yeah, you have all the aero that you need. Uh, but in a road car, you're basically it's understeer galore. Yeah, it's, like every exactly. turn is closing in on you. There's, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Coda, but I can see that as an F1 track, it's super exciting. I will say that Bud was super fun in a road car. Oh, uh, Bud is the in Indian. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a chance to take a uh, Volkswagen Cup car, like factory built Volkswagen car around Bud, and it was just glorious. I mean, granted, you're sitting there in like fifth gear for what feels like about 45 seconds. But like, wow. it was a super, super fun course. But every single F1 track that I've ever been to so far, it's super wide, mm -hmm. it's perfect. Like Mid-Ohio is probably the closest one near us that's almost almost F1 level, but it's like indie level. Yeah. And Mid-Ohio is a great course, but it's not as wide as yeah. F1 course is. It's, uh, the, the pavement definitely is an F1 level standard. Mm -hmm. But it's still a fun course. Um, so would you would you say that but your the tracks the tracks you race at versus the tracks you instruct at like your favorite tracks differ? Oh, 100. I would love to race at NC Car. I would love to lap AMP, but I wouldn't want to race at AMP. But you would also love to you also love to instruct at N Car. Yeah, I mean. So it's like kind of the same. A little bit. Okay. Well, for me. I love, like, based in the U.S., I love racing road Atlanta, but I would absolutely not enjoy instructing there. There's just a lot of, a lot of um, blind turns, like the crest turn three, that I think I, I would just, like, not enjoy getting into a passenger seat there and instruct. There's certain tracks like road Atlanta where there's such a high speed that it kind of like ruins the fun of instructing. Oh, the, the braking zone into 10A. <laughs> well, and while we've already witnessed what can happen at turn 12, if you're sitting right seat, especially at the beginning, because yeah. while in, in our line of work, shit happens. Yeah, quite literally. So tell, tell us what, what happened. So a buddy of ours was, was instructing right seat. Yeah. Um, Let's just say that there was an incident, and the car went into a wall, and an instructor was slightly injured. Nothing 
still alive, and I think he's instructing again. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's fine now. But uh, there was, like, a very quick hospital visit. Yeah. Yeah. He's still fine. Like, he was, he walked out of the hospital. He walked into the hospital. But, um... Yeah, it's, it's, it's stuff, can happen, stuff can happen very quickly at Road Atlanta. Yeah, but it's a track that I would absolutely love to race at, but I would not want to instruct there. Well, when I did the, the WL race there, I had one time when I came three wide through 12, mm-hmm. and, like, I was so terrified while I did that, like, while going through, but as soon as we were, like, getting into the turn one braking zone, I felt the most, like, the most enjoyment I've had on the, on the racetrack because I just did... I just went through turn 12, three wide. Um, so when I was racing champ car there, there was a moment where uh, we had six cars going two, two, two. Mm-hmm. And I was in the second row. Oh, completely boxed on the in? passenger side. Okay. So like a on 100% the, So on the inside, in. inside of turn 12. Exactly. So like I'm riding the curbing on the right side, which is the passenger side. Well, oh, and that, that curbing is pretty aggressive. Yeah, I know. I'm riding the curbing. And there is no space in front, behind, or next to me. Wild. And then I stayed in it. Like, I was the only person who was watched still. And as we enter onto the straightaway, I, you know, like, I break the arrow. And I basically passed the, you know, the three cars that I was fighting against. Because mm-hmm. they all lifted. Yeah. And I had the entire turn one entry. And I was like, this is glorious. <laughs> I love this track. There's, there's nothing better. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a U.S. bucket list track that you haven't visited yet? Laguna. Laguna. I think that's the only track that I've been to so far that I really really wanted to go to. Well, I want to go to Daytona, but the only problem with Daytona is it's a super bumpy track. Yeah, I saw that. So like, if you're gonna go there with a car which can't handle it, it's just not gonna be an enjoyable experience. Mm. So like, Daytona's up there, but like not as high as Laguna Seca is. Um. What's your top three tracks in America? Top three? Uh, I think... I think Road well, Atlanta's going to be the first for me. Yeah, definitely Road Atlanta. I think VIR full course is pretty cool. And I would love to race Watkins, like Watkins Glen. Okay, so backtrack for just a second, because I'm going to switch it up on you. Top three lapping tracks, top three racing tracks. Okay. Um, Let me start off since you probably have to think. Like what, what cars? Like my slow BMW. Let's call it a. Um, or like, if we're going fantasy, let's go. No, well, we we gotta pick something which is like mid range, so like something between like the eighty to one hundred twenty thousand dollar range, which is still fast, but it's not overly quick. Yeah. So like a. Uh, no, you know what? Let's just stick with our race cars no. because we have those, and then let's like, go with an M three, because an M three can at least still stretch its legs. Okay. Our race cars can't. Yeah, they're limited to power. Exactly. So like when, the you, class. when you jump on the straightaway at Road Atlanta, you literally have enough time to take your phone out and take a selfie. Yeah, that's true. So like that, that aspect of it, like it's, it's fun, but it's not so much fun if you're open lapping it. Yeah. Whereas like if you had something with four or five hundred horsepower, it's still fun to keep lapping it. Yeah. Okay. Racing, definitely Road Atlanta. Wait, let's call it a Porsche 911. Not a GT3. Just a, but also for racing? Also for racing. Because you could also race a 911. Yeah. It's very compliant. Cup car, yeah. It's not exactly stupid fast, but like it, it's it's compliant. It's refined. Okay. It's not, like the perfect lapping car. It's the perfect racing car. Yeah. 
It's perfect for it's ruining perfect. you financially when you wreck it. That's every car. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, okay, so I, w I still go with uh, racing number one, Road Atlanta. Yeah, same here. VIR, full course, uh, second. And then I think Watkins Glen as the third. For lapping, it's Road, Road America in Wisconsin. Um, is it, I, I like the track, but it's not a track that I enjoy racing at. Because there's a lot of straights and it's yeah passing passing is mostly done in the braking zones and in the kink by whoever has the biggest cojones. So I think lapping lapping a 911 would be would be fun there because it would just be fast on the straights and then be like still manageable in the in the corners and the kink. Then Daytona and then Laguna. Okay, so. We're matching our first one for racing, Road Atlanta. However, my second is probably going to be Putnam Park. Because there's just something about Putnam Park, so like, um, it gives you so many abilities to set up for a pass for the next corner. It's a super, super fun course. And I hope the grid life goes there at some point, because it is legitimately amazing. Mm -hmm. And I think third on the list, this is a hard one, by the way. <laughs> it might have to be judgment because as far as racing goes with how flat judgment is I'm not sure if it's just because of the fact that I know the track as well as I do but like it's it's fun to set up for a pass in so many locations at judgment and you can be you can be ballsy at, at judgment because the, there's not a lot to hit exactly there's so much runoff right? there's there's a lot of runoff and it's it's not tarmac runoff it's it's grass so yeah, unless it's wet it's gonna slow exactly. you down eventually Plus, you have like literally a third of a mile of eyesight, no matter where yeah. you are. So, like, it makes racing there super easy. Yeah. But also. Everything's very open. Yeah. But it's also challenging and fun because of the fact that almost every single person who goes to judgment within the first couple of sessions is within like two tenths of their optimal lap. Because it's such an easy track to like learn. Yeah, it's, it's not very hard, it's very safe. So, a lot of people can. It's easier for, for a lot of people to get out of their comfort zone there. So it's it's definitely a nice track. I think I just like the bigger track atmosphere better. I think that's kind of the European in me. Yeah. Because we don't really have club racing in in Germany. So it's it's just. Why don't we just move to Germany and start that? We could be like. Well, German. There's there's laws. <laughs> there's I I I'm pretty sure there's a reason uh, for there to not be real club racing. Well, you just gotta pay people. It's 2021. Let's do this. <laughs> Alright. Good luck with that. But yeah, so everything is, <laughs> everything is happening on, on the big tracks. So like having little tracks like Waterford Hills or, or Gingerman even doesn't, doesn't really exist. You, have, you, you can go to a parking lot and do autocross, that you can do, but there's, there's no like little club tracks. Like if, you, if you want to do something, it's got to be in Hockenheim or in the Nürburgring or yeah. Lausitzring. Like there, there are some like smaller tracks that aren't like F one grade tracks, but they're like still big tracks with like like pit buildings and. It's crazy how popular racing is over you know like Europe, while you guys have such a limitation of local tracks. Whereas in America, we have like hold on before we go on that tangent, three best lapping tracks for me. Yeah. Portland, right up there. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was Portland. So like in Portland, you're going through the trees. 
and it was mm. one of the coolest things ever. Like you're going through a set of S's, and there are these giant trees on either end. Yeah, it's one of the coolest sights ever. Yeah, AMP definitely second up because like it's it's a fun lapping track. It's a horrible racing track because there's so many blind corners. Yeah, I and it all that. tightens on you all the time. Mm -hmm. And third up on the list, Summit Point. And I was just gonna mention that because I'm an idiot. Summit Point Shenandoah has to be my number one lapping track, but I don't think in the Porsche. Why not? Because it's you can still jump a Porsche. Yeah, you can. You can you jump. You saw Chad. Yeah. He has a full force eating that. You can. You can jump. Tire. You can jump the Porsche there, but I would rather like have I don't know a MX Five Cup car there. Dude, just imagine the Porsche through the carousel. As the rear engine and the rear wheel drive. Yeah, but then like you then you come up compressed. to the then you come up to the corkscrew that's so narrow that it's almost like driving through a parking lot because the, the Porsche is a big car. So it's, it's not. I'll bet you any amount of money that the the Porsche is just as wide as the, the MX5 Cup car is. Oh, absolutely not. We need to Google this. I apologize for the typing. Well, keep talking as I type. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I I think like a smaller car would be would be beneficial for Shenandoah. Everyone that does not know Shenandoah at some point is missing out. It's like the greatest track in the world. You have, like it's it's kind of like a mix up of of multiple uh, legendary tracks. There's a course crew like in Laguna Seca. There's a carousel, like at the Nurburgring Nordschleife. There is a jump. It's every track should have a jump. Every track should have a jump. Yeah. So it's two and a half inches different. Yeah. Which really isn't that much. Promo. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half inches. I mean, if you if you're gonna compare. That's that's one that's one that's one little that's one little promo difference. Star. <laughs> yeah, no, Summit Point Shenandoah is great, everyone that hasn't been there. So, to put into perspective how not wide a 911 is... Which 911 did you Google? 991.2. Yeah, but we're at 992 now. God damn it. Yeah, and I have a, I have joy in proving... 72 to 74 inches. Alright, so like... In comparison, so we have we have sixty eight point three inches on the MX five Miata, seventy two point nine on the nine eleven. Well, two seventy well, seventy five is almost the GT three RS or the GT two RS. No, it's just the white boys. That's the white boys. And yeah. like the like We're you said, you said racing cars. It's a no, cup car. It's the white boys. Just a nine eleven. Okay. So just a nine eleven. That's four inches. four inches. How much is that in European? Okay. Put it this way, a Dodge Dart. Is 72 inches wide. Yeah, mirror to mirror, probably. That's it's the same width. Dude. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like a Honda S2000 is. You ready for this? Yeah. I think it's 71 inches wide. Okay, prove me, prove me wrong, baby. 69. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I run a 71 inch on the Dash 2K. Oh, you do. No, so 
I don't know. Yeah, Shenandoah is a great track. Okay, what was the topic we we abandoned? This is why we're ADHD, bro. Oh yeah, why? we need we need to we need to have someone take notes and tell us where we left off because I think we started like forty nine topics and haven't finished a single one of them. That's usually how the shit talk goes. Usually, like the first eight attempts of recording this. This is actually just us in general. This is this is us nonstop. Yeah. We go to breakfast. This is how we talk. Yeah, you can you can hire us. We we sit on the table with you and be like that. <laughs> Honestly, that, that's not just, a bad idea. Just, just feed us beer. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. European beer promo likes IPAs. Well, it says India on the name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, promo. What what else is there to talk about? Let's go karting. You want to go karting? It's almost three. It is almost three. Should we do a quick year recap, or should we like? Do a year recap. I legitimately feel like that's all we've been talking about. Oh. And I'm not sure if we can recap our years. Because I just did a did a quick glance on my notes and it said year recap. Dude, there is no year recap. Because <laughs> like our year, like we still have how many days left in this month? 26? Do you know how much more stupid shit we're going to do in 26 days? Well, if all goes well, I'm flying to Germany in, what's today, the 4th? Yes. In exactly 14 days. In two yeah. weeks. I might be going to India, but don't know yet. But I'm gonna find out. Yeah, I mean, this year has been as as the last couple of years has been wildly affected, affected by the the global pandemic. We were not going the same way with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we made the best of it, and luckily we had a we had a great. We have great people around us, like in the in the grid life and generally in the racing community, that are willing to have fun and stay safe at the same time without being being unnecessarily reckless. So I think I think we should really be. Yeah, there was that one asshole at SEM. Yeah. He's not coming back though, so it's all good. That is that is true. Yeah. So like as I said, we have. We have people, people around us that take take uh, being being safe and being protected very serious. Well, of course, safety is always going to be number one, and that's that's legitimately the best part about everybody that we work for at this point. Because like, you could you it's could. It's not the same way that it used to be twenty thirty years ago, which is, yeah, I mean, yeah, you you have a motorcycle helmet. But did They'll you say. die? <laughs> no, but I like maybe you can draw draw parallels there. Um, between racers and non-racers like we know how important safety is and we know how important like prote like personal protection gear is like in racing you know what I mean um, and then like when when I think back to NCM we had a strict mask mandate at the track and everyone just was abiding to it well it's because people who race cars have to be smart because dumb people can't afford this <laughs> and then there's us. <laughs> no, but it's it, we're just professional idiots. Yeah, but we know the we know the the importance of of safety gear, and we know that if someone tells us that we need a fireproof suit, we never none of us wants to ever need one. Like Grosjean. Let's talk about the time where a couple shit it was like last year. Uh, I took that S two thousand out. There was just enough time for me to make that session. Didn't have a suit on. Took it out there. Thought to myself, eh, what could go wrong? Two or three laps in, giant electrical fire. 
Alright, let's go ahead and bring it back in and put that suit on. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I when I drove Rich's 350C and every third lap coming into turn 11 at Gingerman, it started burning out of the engine bay. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was glad I was wearing wearing my protection gear. And yeah, it was it was also a cold day, so it didn't really bother me much. But yeah. on hot days, where you like think twice sometimes, like, do I, should I wear the suit? Yes, yes, you should. Dude, I yeah. love my new suit for that reason, though. What, also, what, suit, what suit do you have? Hypertech. So oh, Alpine Star? Stars, Hypertech, yeah. And Speedway Motors, they have closeout deals on basically all the Alpine Stars gears every three to four years. So the first suit that I bought, which was a GP Tech, I think I got it for like $389. Now this is like a $1,200 or $1,300 suit that I got mm -hmm. for like pennies. Essentially nothing, yeah. And they had another closeout for the previous year suits. So I picked up a 2020 suit in 2021, or it might have been 2019 and 2020. But it was like a year different. And uh, I mean, I got it for less than 600 bucks for like an almost $2,000 suit. Wow. Yeah, I've been looking into getting a new suit. Dude, like you I have this, to I have... get a new Alpine Star suit because it is legitimately paper thin. Yeah, the problem is I want it custom tailored because I'm very tall, like with almost six foot three. I'm rather tall and I'm very skinny. So usually the big guy suits like look really, really big on me. And I like my suits to be to be um, body tight, like skinnier. So I need to get a custom suit and the Alpine Star suits are just so expensive when you get them custom tailored. Dude, no, because like Alpine Stars always runs on the, the skinny side. Yeah, but even like in you my... You basically fit my suit. You get a slightly larger suit than mine. I don't know. I was looking into the HRX. HRX suits. Alpine Stars for life. Yeah. And Stilo for life. Let's, let's, let's get it right. Alpine oh, Stars and Stilo. Yeah, you do like your Stilo. Because it's the best. <laughs> I mean, you have to replace visors pretty frequently, which is annoying. Why, why that? They use some super weird anti-fog filament. Okay. And if it's anywhere near the vicinity of sunscreen, it literally just destroys everything. Okay. So like, I put tear-offs on my, my visor now to mm -hmm. try and prevent any sunscreen from getting on it. But you know when you're at the racetrack and you have your helmet out and you're leaving it on, you know, a table or wherever mm -hmm. it be. And someone's moving it? No, it's not someone's moving it. Someone's probably applying sunscreen somewhere near it. Because mm -hmm. it happens at least two to three times a year. Wow. And the minute that sunscreen gets on that visor, it's gonzo. Wow. Like, it is about as blurry as looking through a heavily, uh, like, it's, it, it, it's horrible. <laughs> I, like, I like how that went. <laughs> I had a reference. I just chose not to use that reference mid-sentence. <laughs> yeah. All so right. I guess for the next episode, um, we should We can do a yearly recap. <laughs> you had a wild year. I had a wild year. If you want to know more about it, um, follow us on Venmo. <laughs> It's not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm at promoter. <laughs> no, it's it's been a wild year, but let's let's keep the podcast. Let's let's try to make this a thing. I don't know. I'm kind of kind of feeling like just talking 
I mean, let's talk about cars and carts next time, which is I brought out the perfect reference of the most fun racing and lapping car, mm -hmm. which fits the bill for both being a 992-911. No. Yeah, why not? I disagree strongly. Okay, hit me. What, what, before we close this out, what will be your ideal both racing and lapping car? Yeah. Now, keep in mind that the lapping car cannot be boring. I mean, state that yeah, if you're at a... The racing, racing car needs to be the same car as the lapping car. Yeah, just one car that fits both bills perfectly. I'd go, I'd go with a... Because <laughs> the 9 level with the cage is absolutely perfect. No, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I would go with a... Mercedes AMG SLS GT3. You're absolutely on crack. No, it's... No sane person would say, how many beers? You've only had two beers. What the fuck? It's, it's beautiful. It has gullwing doors. And it has a big old V8. You can't race that. It's a GT3 car. The SLS GT3. And uh, we're going to go ahead and close this one out with that bullshit. Promo's baffled. I know more about cars. Yeah, tag along and listen to what we have to say next time. You can just reply. You are so wrong. You are so wrong. I can't express how wrong.